This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Hoping to convince you the reality is usually scoffed at, and conventional wisdom is often just an illusion. We're live on iHeartRadio, on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes, or shoot me an email at RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or you can get something off your chest and call the vent line at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. What a week. What a week. It's Friday. And uh, we're just entering into August, starting to get into the heart of the campaign season proper. And already the wheels are coming off of the Joe Biden campaign because they're trying to have this uh, virtual campaign, keep Joe in his basement, uh, script his public statements, and uh, and occasionally throw in you know a live, I say a live event, a a virtual live event, skyped or zoomed from his uh, basement hideout. But every time he goes off script, uh, he wrecks himself. You know, Joe Biden, I've. I've had a lot of dealings with Joe Biden uh, as a, a firefighters union leader. He's one of uh, the IAFF is one of his big constituencies. Joe Biden has always said stupid shit. He that is sort of what he was known for in Washington D.C. is saying stupid stuff. Well, now he's saying incoherent stupid stuff, and I just don't know how they're going to get through this entire campaign with this horse's ass. He likes to call people horses asses. Uh, and you know, they're trying to keep him hidden. It's not going to work. You can't run for president of the United States without, without speaking to the American people. And all of this is happening and we're going to get into all of the, the gas and, um, missteps that Biden made this week. But as this is happening, the Trump campaign is really beginning to hit its stride. The candidate is getting a little bit more disciplined. He's, he's staying out of these, uh, these stupid, uh, arguments with, uh, with, you know, the press corps. He never should do that for the rest of this campaign. There's no reason to sit there and argue with Jim Acosta or Yamiche Alcindor or the, uh, April, whatever her name is, April white. I think it is. It, uh, it just distracts it. It's, it's not productive. So avoid those arguments with the press. Stay on message. You know, when you do 
uh, go off message. Make it uh, about calling out Biden for his uh, his ridiculous statements. And uh, I I don't know if this is going to start bleeding into the American consciousness. I know there's a you know almost a hundred percent blackout on the Trump campaign and a total rehabilitation effort of the Biden campaign. But, you know, if Biden is only going to say stupid stuff and the president stays on message, then, uh, you know, the evening news has got to have content. <laughs> they, they're going to have to cover a presidential campaign. So discipline should be uh, the word of the day, the word of the campaign. Trump went to the Whirlpool factory in Ohio yesterday and uh, absolutely knocked it out of the park. He's sort of substituting uh, these visits to American manufacturers who have every possible incentive to hope that Trump gets reelected. He substituted those for his um, his camp era, his rallies, and it's working quite well. You know, he's got a stack of American made products behind him. He's got a grateful workforce in front of him whose jobs he has been fighting for. And uh, the Whirlpool speech yesterday, oh, man, it's fabulous. If you didn't see it, you ought to, because this is going to be the message of the campaign. We're going to we're gonna listen to some clips from that, uh, sort of some extended clips, because uh, you might not hear it, um, you know, elsewhere and uh, even if you have heard it it's it's worth hearing again as we celebrate whirlpool's 109 year legacy of american manufacturing excellence today i want to lay out my vision to bring millions and millions more jobs and thousands more factories back to american shores where they belong we've been doing it long and hard one of the reasons you're successful today Happens to be a meeting I had probably four years ago with a very good representative of your company saying what they were doing to you and how badly you were being treated by other countries. And you know what I did. And here we are today, the most successful plant. As we said, the uh, large appliance industry was one of the last industries that was left to American manufacturing by the globalists. And uh, it has been under assault as these uh, LG uh, dryers and washers and dishwashers flood in from South Korea. He, uh, the Trump has been uh, taking steps to protect American large appliance manufacturing. I think more needs to be done. But uh, the president also, during his speech, contrasted his record with Joe Biden's. For eight years, Whirlpool begged the Obama-Biden administration, who did nothing to protect American workers from the flagrant dumping of foreign washers, dryers into America. But your cries for help fell on deaf ears. You didn't see any action. They didn't act. They didn't care. And they never will. For eight long years under Obama-Biden administration, American factory workers received nothing but broken promises and brazen sellouts and lost jobs. See, the reason this uh, this kind of the reason this kind of uh, speech is so successful is it focuses on the facts. If you focus on the facts of the sellout of the two-party duopoly in Washington D.C. of American workers, and 
you highlight the fact that uh, Trump is turning it around and has, in fact, turned the Republican Party around to a large degree, then uh, that's the winning message. And Joe Biden can't argue with it because they've got uh, they've got video clip after clip of him saying things like this. I'm announcing my support for NAFTA. I'm supporting NAFTA because I think it is a positive thing to do. Both the arguments for and against NAFTA are vastly, vastly, vastly overblown. Some jobs got lost, but again, NAFTA wasn't the problem. I do not pretend to be an expert on uh, international trade matters. Well, he certainly isn't an expert in international trade matters, and neither are uh, most of the uh, the political class in Washington, D.C. They're experts on getting reelected, and they had these uh, Wall Street uh, money uh, chiselers throwing campaign donations at them hand over fist in order to sell out the interest of the American people. Here's Trump back at that uh, that Whirlpool factory. In defending your jobs here at Whirlpool, I was doing exactly what I promised in June 2016. As a candidate for president, I stood before an audience of hardworking patriots at a metals processing facility outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to outline my plan for a new America first trade policy. And it was even a better job than I told you. I'm one politician that says, I'm going to do this, and then we do better. We produced more than I promised. And by the way, the wall is being built. It's going to be finished very soon. Joe Biden was on uh, the radio yesterday at that uh, at that uh, Hispanic journalist convention telling them that uh, he, he was not going to build another inch of the wall. And, oh, by the way, we're going to give taxpayers subsidized health care to uh, al- aliens in this country illegally. Yeah, man, just stay on message. Keep the president out of these uh, these news conferences. Don't take any more questions from a, a press gaggle. If you want to sit down and have a, uh, uh, an interview with a, you know, somebody from the press that has a good record of not, you know, just being rabidly anti-Trump, that's cool. But don't, uh, don't engage with Jim Acosta and these idiots. Here is, um, a Trump ad that they rolled out. Uh, I think yesterday or the day before that is absolutely devastating to the Joe Biden campaign. Joe Biden can't fix our economy. Biden supports massive tax increases on working families, trade deals that let China and Mexico steal our jobs, amnesty for illegal immigrants competing for American jobs. America would become diminished and weak, just like Biden. President Trump gave us the strongest economy America has ever known. Millions of new jobs, lowest unemployment rate for black and Hispanic Americans, and he will do it again. I'm Donald J. Trump, and I approve. I am Donald J. Trump, and I approve this message. That's where you ought to go. So, uh, you know, <laughs> now let's contrast that with uh, what Joe Biden's been up to. Yesterday, he um, he did what he does best, and that is to uh, open mouth and insert foot. What you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. Uh, incredibly different attitudes about different things. Oh my God. You don't vote for me. You ain't black. That's, 
Oh, <laughs> he basically just said, uh, you know, all all black people think alike. It's just a, a, a small step from saying all black people look alike. You wonder how much of these uh, these racist statements Joe Biden would have to make to uh, uh, force black voters to abandon him in droves. <laughs> the Washington Post immediately uh, trotted out and said, well, you know, he didn't. That's not what he said. He 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 didn't say that. This being uh, mischaracterized, and then right after that, the Biden campaign took to Twitter and said, "In no way did I mean to suggest the African American community is a monolith. Not by identity. Not on issues. Not at all." <laughs> in other words, he's saying, "Well, I in in no way meant to suggest the exact meaning of the words that I said." It's kind of odd how when he's uh, he's live, he cannot formulate a thought or a sentence. But when he uh, takes to social media, he becomes a, a, a literary genius. He, he crafts these, uh, these perfectly well-worded statements. Oh, man. If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. But I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. <laughs> Danelle Borelli, over at Fox News, she is the one of the resident black conservatives. And there are, you know, anybody who, who has spent any time around black folks know that socially they're very conservative. They've allowed themselves to be kept down on this uh, Democrat plantation because the Democrats have become very good at stoking uh, racial resentment and antagonism. I think they're they're starting to open their eyes and uh, step off the Democrat plantation. But that's because you do see more and more uh, black conservatives. You know, and, and that's uh, that's again because of the rise of social media. Uh, you get to you get to see a more um, unscripted version of reality. But here is Miss um, Borelli uh, talking about that statement that Biden just made. What a racist, condescending comment from Joe Biden against me and other black Americans. Because you're black, because of your skin color, you don't have diversity. It is absolutely outrageous. And Biden has a long history of this nonsense, guys. Uh, he said that he didn't want his children going up in a racial jungle. What's that about? He palled around with segregationists, known races, like former state uh, senators. Majority Leader Robert Byrd, uh, who was a Grand Kleagle with the KKK. Lord knows what he had to do to get that title. Uh, he opposed busing along with other segregationists. And uh, as a matter of fact, most black people oppose busing as well. Uh, I don't think this uh, this campaign is going to work out too well for Biden. He the, the he's got a forty seven year track record with lots and lots of video of him saying. Uh, saying insulting and stupid things. We're going to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot, and Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. 
So we're talking about diversity of thought in the black community. Uh, the social media has uh, has been a great boon for conservatives because it's showing, uh, despite you know the mainstream media blackout, that yes, indeed, a lot, maybe most, uh, blacks are naturally socially conservative, and uh, and they're starting to chafe at this uh, the the Democrats taking them for granted. This is a clip um, I found it on Twitter of a, uh, a a black conservative talking about BLM and its roots. So you know, I just want to let you guys know we're out here. We're here to fight, man. We're not here to back down. Uh, you know, and what my stance on the whole Black Lives Matter thing? What personal stance? My issue with Black Lives Matter is it's not the word Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. The word itself doesn't sound bad. Of course, black lives matter, Hispanic lives matter, Asian lives matter, white lives matter, Jewish lives matter, Muslim lives matter, all lives matter. But it's the organization behind Black Lives Matter who had a problem with. An organization is ran by George Soros money and Clinton Foundation money. And they are a local terrorist organization that is here to destroy this country. That's the issue I have with Black Lives Matter. It's not the term Black Lives Matter. But as you guys know how the left likes to use their terms, like anti-fascist, Antifa. Oh, they're just anti-fascist. But in reality, they're a Taurus terrorist organization. The left are masters of the language. They've been imposing this language on us. They call uh, these socialists, they're progressives, as if going toward one of the most failed ideologies in world history is progress. And, you know, every time I hear that word come out of a conservative's mouth, especially over there on Fox News, I want to throw a shoe at the TV. They are not progressives. They ought not to be allowed to call themselves progressives. And we certainly shouldn't engage in that foolishness. So, you know, the, uh, the one real way that the Democrat party is going to try to drag old Joe Biden over the line is through, uh, this, uh, cheat by mail voter fraud. There's been a report that shows that, uh, in an election in Nevada, this was before the legislature out there, in the middle of the night, passed uh, a, a mass mail-in voting of every registered voter in the state. They had a, a primary. And Las Vegas, just in that one district, Clark County, sent out over 223 ballots that were undeliverable. Either they were sent to the wrong address or they were sent to people who no longer live there or even in the state. They sent out in Clark County a total of 1,325,026,000 ballots. They, um, they got back 305. The Postal Service was unable to deliver 223,500 for an undeliverable percentage of 42, 42%. Now, can you imagine what the Democrats will be able to do with that? in this general election campaign, how much more evidence do we need to see that they will do absolutely anything to get Donald Trump out of office? There was a, a neighboring County uh, that sent out almost one third. Well, that's even less. uh, That's less than uh, Clark County. The big steel is on. 
And Nevada was going to be one of the the swing states that uh, would definitely be uh, possible to put into Trump's column. Crazy Nancy Pelosi appeared on PBS, uh, sat down with an interview with Judy Woodruff. Now, you could not possibly ask for a, a, a more friendly interview for a Democrat than sitting down with Judy Woodruff. It is crazy that we continue to have to fund these left-wing broadcast operations like PBS and NPR. But uh, Judy asked her kind of a softball question and listened to Nancy's response. As intensified in its spread. The other point Republicans are making is they are now showing flexibility in money for state and local governments. This is, again, a difference. Democrats want more money. Republicans want a lot less. They are saying they're willing to show flexibility. And they're also saying a lot of the money that was passed in the spring, Madam Speaker, has not even been spent yet. Well, so if you want to be an advocate for them, there. Judy, if you want to be an advocate for them, no, I'm, let's I'm, know what the facts are. I'm playing are. devil's advocate. Well, I'm playing devil's advocate. I'm, I'm trying to pose as a journalist, Nancy, and, and ask actual questions. The Republicans have said they're willing to be flexible. They have have pointed out the reality that they haven't even been able to push the trillions of dollars out from the last stimulus out the door. Nancy, well, this this is not exactly towing our lines. So so you need to get back right with the Democrat talking points, Judy Woodruff. Uh, I've seen her do that before, you know, when when uh, journalists dared to us. Uh, depart from the the democrat talking points uh, she would she would jump on them so chad wolf appeared at the uh department of homeland defense i mean the uh homeland defense committee at the u.s senate yesterday and uh pushed back pretty hard on these claims that uh nancy pelosi and Jim Clyburn and and, um, and others have been making that federal law enforcement officers are Gestapo and stormtroopers. Our law enforcement officers are not stormtroopers, the Gestapo are thugs. They are civil law enforcement officers who wear clearly marked uniforms, who are properly trained, who follow established law enforcement procedures and practices, and operate within their authority. At that same uh, hearing, Wolf pointed out that during these peaceful riots in Portland, Oregon, 271 of his his agents were injured, some very badly. And he also pointed out that there had been about 99 arrests of these Antifa rioters. Now, something's wrong with that picture. For every one of these officers that were injured, there ought to be an arrest. There ought to be a cracked head and an arrest. And, you know, uh, 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 until law enforcement starts arresting these people, they're going to continue to do it. They, uh, they've they left the federal courthouse because the Oregon State Police came up in, and they're not operating under the same constraints that the Portland PD under Antifa Mayor Ted Wheeler are operating under. And so they start, started arresting people, at which point Antifa relocated their riots to the Portland neighborhoods and started attacking Portland police precincts, trying to burn them down. 
They had to declare riots on four separate consecutive nights because of Antifa after they have left the courthouse. we got to run out to a break. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. Well, so far in 2020, we've seen pestilence in the form of this China virus. Biblical floods in Asia and worldwide economic collapse. In Africa and the Middle East, we've even got a plague of locusts and famine. At the same time, we've seen pastors and rabbis arrested for opening their houses of worship. Churches and crosses being burned. And this week, in Portland, a bonfire of Bibles. You could be forgiven for thinking that end-time prophecies never rang so true. To talk about this, we're joined now by Doug Giles, author of the new book, if max if masculinity is toxic, call Jesus radioactive. You can get the book at DougGiles.org. That's G-I-L-E-S, DougGiles.org. Doug also hosts Warriors and Wild Men podcast and is the man behind ClashDaily.com. You know, Doug, I'm just an old backslid Baptist, but I'm kind of thinking lately that God may be a little upset with us. What do you make of all of this uh, these times from a biblical perspective? Yeah, or he could uh, really be uh, so pleased and chuffed with the job that Trump's uh, been doing for the Christian worldview and uh, how America is, you know, uh, prior to the scandemic and stuff, how America was soaring like an eagle like never before. And um, so I always expect, you know, the enemy's going to do enemy crap. So when people are like, oh, man, it's the devil, it's the end of times, like, ah, or they could be desperate. Because uh, we were ascending, uh, again, like a Tomahawk cruise missile. And uh, so the enemy's got to do something. And I see, I see all this kind of stuff not so much, um, you know, from an apocalyptic standpoint. Uh, is, is it huge? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there evil, malevolent forces behind it? Hell yeah. But did Jesus kick their ass on the, on the cross in, uh, in his resurrection? You bet he did. And so I think, I think this is a great reset. Uh, I, I love the fact that pastors and rabbis are, are uh, 
are going to jail. Cause you know what that means, Jim? They fricking stood up for something instead of these other little churches that just shut everything down because governor dipstick and mayor, uh, <laughs> mayor moron has now forced, you know, these edicts that are not laws, folks. They are not laws. You don't have to obey them. Uh, before you get a law, we, the people decide what we want, you know, to govern us. And then it's voted upon. None of that stuff happened. And, um, but you look at the pastors, they shut their damn church down. It's like, we're not going to have church anymore. We're not going to lay hands on the sick. We're not going to hug each other. We're not going to give everybody high fives. And, uh, they curled up in the fetal position. They wet their big evangelical and Catholic, uh, diaper. Well, that's why I wanted to talk to you. I always appreciate your uh, your more muscular form of Christianity. It seems like the old evangelical movement that was so powerful uh, just a, a decade ago has been sidelined or have sidelined themselves, lost their voice. Has Christianity in this country lost the will to defend the Gospels? Well, when you when you preach a gelded little G God— and when you emasculate Jesus and you turn him into this, um, I don't know, it's kind of a do-gooder, Mr. Roger-type cat with a little hipper haircut, kind of like Jared Leto with Courtney Cox's wig on. And, uh, and you just make him uh, a spewer of nothing but, you know, uh, nice and cute aphorisms and idioms. Then when real crunch time comes and you have, you know, the likes of Soros you have Marxist radicals in the Black Lives Movement. You have fake plagues and uh, no law laws uh, forced upon you know the the church. Then you really find out you know who's been teaching what, what kind of God, what kind of gospel, what kind of spirit we have. Because um, I think it's a, again, I think it's a great day. I think we're seeing Christians, you know, like Rodney Howard Brown in Tampa tell the mayor to go pound sand and they threw him in jail and uh, his church uh, is now experiencing revival thousands of people tens of thousands of people have poured through it because they found a pastor with nuts then you look at some of these other churches that preach in a you know a gutless nutless jesus and they can't cobble together 20 people to watch their stupid live broadcast you know i got an argument the other day on uh, social media i can't remember if it was facebook or twitter but um some guy was uh, praying for the recovery of ruth bader ginsburg and i said well you know i wish her a uh, a, a quick recovery and an early retirement and this guy uh you know took me to task for wishing ill on ruth bader ginsburg that you know supports uh, late-term abortion and has been responsible for so much damage done to this country when she headed the aclu and uh, and right. he thought he was um, he was staying true to the book of Matthews by uh, by wishing well on a, a, a patently evil woman who has done so much damage to this country. Yeah, of course. Again, you know, it's our sweet little Jesus. He would never have nary a peep to say about you know these these political monsters uh, that oversee the slaughter of millions of, of babies, and that's just one of the things that uh, that'll hag has done uh, to the United States of America. And uh, you look at, you look at uh, what Christ did when he bumped into bad politicians or bad priests. He didn't do this now, lay me down to sleep crap. He didn't pet him on the head and say, you're okay. Uh, especially in Matthew 23, he breathed out, and I covered in my book of masculinity's toxic called Jesus Radioactive, some of the strongest invectives uh, in the history of, the, of written languages. He, he cursed them uh, to hell. 
irrevocably. He didn't say, ah, I'm just kidding, or, well, I'll pray for you. He said, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites. And he goes and lays out eight things that they did that they could never come back from. And again, you know, but, but we don't preach that Jesus, Jim. Our Jesus has a cute uh, southern draw, got a curly mullet, and uh, he tells nice stories. Well, all of this seems to be based on uh, the philosophy that we'll all receive our reward in heaven and that we're not supposed to um, to uh, stand up for biblical principles here on this earth, that we're just supposed to accept this earth as uh, as corrupt and doomed, and we're not supposed to uh, you know live our right. values or force them upon other people. Uh, that, that episode in Portland the other night, uh, I think, clearly illustrated the result of that. We've got a whole generation of kids out in the street that thinks it's cute to have a bonfire of Bibles. Uh, and I didn't hear a lot of condemnation uh, from churches for doing that. It seemed like that uh, right. that they had resigned themselves to it. Yeah, so uh, what, you know, what again, you know, you know these um, emasculated emissaries supposedly of, of God and Christ uh, they, they side with the Black Lives Matter group. And look, George Floyd's death, uh, that was murder. Uh, I don't know where Derek Chauvin comes from, but um, you know, I don't know if he's a deep state operator. I don't know if he's a die-in-the-wool racist, but kneeling on some dude's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds in broad daylight, and you're nonchalant about it like you're eating a bologna sandwich or something like that. I don't know what kind of uh, – part of the nether world Chauvin comes from, but that was the most disgusting thing that I've ever seen in my life. However, the movement's been hijacked. It has crap all to do with George Floyd. Now it has everything to do with Marxist, uh, uh, radical doctrine. Look at the black lives matter, uh, their website. They'll tell you we're here to gut America. We're here to destroy the nuclear family. And, uh, we're here to make anything that doesn't have black skin, uh, pay reparations. So get in line and kiss the ring. And uh, so churches are like, you know, yeah, we're here for justice. It's like that got hijacked, I believe, about three months ago. And now it's here for Marxist revolution. And uh, they always vie for violence because their ideas suck. They're untenable. Everywhere they've uh, been parlayed, they've been tried and found woefully wanting. And so now they've got to uh, uh, – intimidate you. You can't say this. You can't do this. You can't vote for this person. You can't go into this sector of your city. You can't go back to uh, your job. And um, yeah. And then we finally see, you know, the, the, uh, the inside of the snake and they're burning Bibles. And I believe everywhere that book burning occurred, the thing that followed next was people burning. Yeah, they call themselves anti-fascist, and uh, there is nothing a clearer illustration of fascism than burning books, and most especially burning the text, you know, religious texts of your own people. Uh, it seems like the heathens are in the ascendancy in England, I mean, in uh, Europe. Uh, there are hundreds of churches being burned a year, and uh, people seem to have laid down and accepted this as uh, the so-called new normal uh, and, right. and, uh, over there, you know, they, they all look to the Pope for spiritual guidance and he, uh, he, um, has uh, waved the white flag of surrender from Vatican city. Yeah. The Catholic church is so divided and defeated. They can't even decide on which shade of white to use for their surrender flag. Uh, Europe's been gone for 
30 years. They're like, yeah, we're going to open the door to, to Islam. Yeah, it seemed okay. A couple of Pakistan people coming in the late 70s. Then all of a sudden they get on the government dole. Then all of a sudden, hey, we get three to uh, six wives. Then you have 50 kids uh, per Muslim household. And next thing you know, they start bringing in the radical clerics uh, from Islamabad. And um, they've got a bloody mess. They they completely blew off Christianity. They vied for uh, uh, French secularization. Uh, they didn't follow the U.S. suit and uh, cling to a constitution with a uh, Judeo-Christian worldview. And now look at them with diminishing birth rates and thinning the skin. Uh, by 2050, they're going to be Islam's prison chick, mop head wig and all. So can you look back in uh, the history and find any uh, time when Christianity was up against it and uh, and had a revival and a resurrection and and pushed back and reestablished the kingdom of God on earth? Yeah, the, um, uh, the first century, <laughs> that's, a, that's an incredible day of persecution and privation. Uh, you know, Rome ruled the roost. And uh, nearly half of the of the inhabited world, and uh, they didn't care what you believed in. They had a pantheon of gods, but if you didn't obey Caesar's edicts and you say Christ is Lord instead of Caesar's Lord, then they're going to steamroll you. And that's what they tried to do. But guess what? The more that they persecuted the church, the more that they threatened them not to speak out, the more that they killed, you know, uh, a lot of uh, uh, the disciples and and their disciples, the more the church flourished. So that's the thing where the American wussy version, they're like, oh, you know, they're against us. Oh, you know, we can't do this on Sunday. It's like, hey, quit being a chick, man. The first century church had it way worse than we do, you know, and uh, they thrived. They grew. Matter of fact, when Peter and John were uh, tossed into the, uh, into jail for the miracle of healing, uh, the guy at the gate, beautiful, that had been crippled for 40 years, and then the Pharisees and all the religious hoity-toities and, and uh, the temple uh, police told them to shut up so that this message doesn't spread. And Peter, you know, effectively told them to blow it out their backside. And on that day, Jim, it says 5,000 uh, men were added uh, to the church. They don't count women or kids, so that's probably, you know, 15 up to 20,000 people got converted when they saw Peter and John not back down, show boldness, confidence, and courage in the face of persecution. And people said, you know what? Those guys are going to jail, but I'll, I'll take, I will believe what they believe if they have that kind of confidence and boldness to look at these people that have, have brutalized our whole uh, region where we live. And they told them to go, you know, kiss their backside. Uh, I'll sign up to that. But if you had this cowardice stuff, where, you know, we have that's infected and uh, effectively rotted off the testicular fortitude of evangelicals and Catholics. No man's going to want to buy into that crap. So I, I think we got a PR problem. I think the prophets need to step forth, and I think the punks need to go to the curb and maybe learn something. Maybe they could even get saved, Jim. Tell us about this new book, If Masculinity is Toxic, called Jesus Radioactive. Uh, why'd you write it, and what, what are you hoping to convince the reader of? Yeah, obviously, uh, I'm pig sick of, uh, effeminized, effete evangelical hosts. And, um, when I read the gospel, and I think anybody with just a cursory glance at the first book of the New Testament, like I did in Matthew, they can come away seeing chapter after chapter after chapter of overt masculine traits instead of, uh, you know, soft quips and nice stories. Nobody 
wants to kill a nice guy. You get a nice guy telling nice stories, and he's smiling till his teeth are dry. Nobody wants to crucify him. But if you're a 30-year-old rebel, and you're a heat-seeking missile, and you're out to lambaste people who are full of lies, hype, and spin, whether they're political or ecclesiastical, yeah, you're going to get killed. And uh, I want people to forever see Christ as somebody who is a giddy gadfly to garbage. And that's what he was. He would mess with you. He relished it. And, um, and again, they killed him for a reason. Warriors and Wildman podcast. Uh, is that, uh, is that a daily or weekly? Uh, when, when can we catch it? Yeah, we, uh, it's weekly. We drop a new episode every Thursday. Uh, one just came out today and, uh, we talk about the mask Nazis on today's podcast and got a lot of shows archived for the bench listeners. And uh, also, I got ClashRadio.com, uh, and that's my podcast, and just some epic stuff, man, <laughs> that if, if they want more, oh, my God, brother, do we have more for them. And you get that at ClashDaily.com? Uh, yeah, um, but, you know, DougGiles.org. I got too many websites, bro. <laughs> DougGiles.org is like my neighborhood. So if uh, they want to walk, stroll through my hood, that's where everything is situated right there. DougGiles.org, you can uh, you can find a masculine version of Christianity, uh, push back against these crazy times, and maybe maybe find a little inspiration to step up and resist uh, the crazy times we're going through. Doug, thanks for joining us. I hope you come back again. Yeah, thank you, Jim. Stay ready, bro. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes, and they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. You know, one of the perversions of the English language that I like to talk about coming out of the left is this so-called white privilege. Anybody that's got white skin is privileged, and so they are required to uh, to renounce their own skin color and their own heritage and their own culture and grovel before the Black Lives Matter or new gods. You know, what really is privileged if you look at what's been going on, are these these Marxists in the streets who are allowed to hold mass demonstrations with no social distancing, no no regard to the coronavirus that's shutting down churches and and um, and family get-togethers across this nation? They uh, they get to go out and destroy public property, uh, uh, put their nasty graffiti all over everything calling for the death of cops. They're allowed to riot and destroy and assault people. And at the same time, this, uh, this captive media 
continues to insist that they're mostly peaceful demonstrators. Well, we've got a just a prime example of this now out of New York. And if if you didn't know the facts of this, you would uh, you would think that the coverage of it is something out of a Babylon Bee parody. New York Magazine uh, published an article about these two highly educated young lawyers who threw a uh, Molotov cocktail into a New York City police car during a, uh, a Black Lives Matter riot. Uh, was May 29th, one of them, uh, the, the, the woman that wrote this is named Lisa Miller. These two, uh, these two grabbed national attention, uh, after they were arrested because of their privileged backgrounds, Colin Ford Mattis, he's just a, a poster boy for the elite credentialed affirmative action educated um, plucked from New York. He, he went to St. Andrew's prep and, uh, and went on to get a law degree from Princeton university and, uh, attended New, New York university as well. His partner, Aruj Rahman was born in Pakistan, brought to her, uh, the U S by her parents at age four. She had to, you know, get by with public high school, but then she went on to Fordham University for uh, her law degree. So these two were supposed to be, you know, educated in in their responsibilities as officers of the court. But on the night of May 29th, they were photographed in a minivan with Molotov cocktails, uh, tossing them in to a, a police car and and burning it. So. The author tells us that Madison Raman's friends may concede in private that throwing a Maltov cocktail represents a lapse of judgment. Oh, it was just a lapse of judgment. When I took and poured gasoline into a bottle and stuffed a, uh, a rag in it, lit it on fire, after finding a police car, burned it up, it was just, oopsie, a lapse of judgment. None of their friends, however, were willing to discuss the degree which their friends may have lapsed ethically, professionally, or legally. They instead want to emphasize that violence against government property is not the same as violence against a person and that the prosecution of their friends for for act of political vandalism is extreme, more extreme than the crime itself and that it amounts to criminalization of dissent. They were just protesting by burning that police car. These are the people, the truly privileged people. Because now New York Magazine is describing them as unfailingly kind and gentle and decent. And they're calling for uh, the court to, to turn a blind eye to this and not impose the, the minimum sentences on these two. Now, um, you know, 35 years in prison is a steep price to pay, but uh, if anybody should have known the consequences of their actions, these two should have. I'm just seeing a story. I wish I'd seen it while I had uh, Doug Giles on the, on the show. <laughs> 
Christians are uh, learning to navigate their way around these uh, these lockdowns that are demanding that their cor- their uh, churches be closed. Out in Nevada, of course, the mayor out there has um, has forbade church services and been upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court, while at the same time they're opening their casinos, and so. So a Christian pastor out there decided, well, hell, I'll just move my church service to the casino. And <laughs> brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Because these casinos, you know, they're, they're open, but they're, they're not full. And so they moved this church service into one of these ballrooms and had a full fledged Christian church service complete with a band and singing and preaching. You wonder if the, the, the Democrat governor out there, I can't remember her name right now is going to, uh, to move to ban church services from the open casinos as well. I don't know if they came up with this idea at exactly the same time, but, uh, another group held a church service in a Walmart. Well, if a Walmart can stay open, We'll just go there to have our church service, and it sounded like this. (laughs) Absolutely brilliant. This is the kind of guerrilla tactics that you have to use when you've got a repressive Democrat government in charge. Up in New York, a, uh, a local judge that's uh, hearing a case brought by Seth Rich's parents against Fox News has has um, asked for the testimony of Julian Assange. <laughs> hey, there's an idea. You know, uh, Fox News had reported that the the leak of Democrat National Committee emails was in fact a leak and not a hack. And of course, Julian Assange was on television shortly thereafter, offering a reward for whoever killed Seth Rich on that street. Now, Robert Mueller, who was supposed to be investigating the hack of the Democrat national committee and all of the Russian influence in our election never bothered to interview Julian Assange, even though he was, a you know, a, a self in self-imposed exile right there in the Ecuadorian embassy in London would have been very easy for Robert Mueller to send uh, an investigator there and interview him. And as a matter of fact, the, the case really required it. But he, of course, turned a blind eye because he did not want to hear anything that conflicted with the uh, the Democrats' narrative on that. So, uh, you know, one will hope that the uh, officials in the uh, in the UK will cooperate with this judge's request. So it's been a long week; a lot's been happening. I figure we can use a little bit of uh, comic relief provided by the Mojo Riverfish, who has uh, has been calling into the vent line and leaving corny jokes like this. 
my mother, my mother, she's, she's not happy. She's been, uh, at home taking care of my sick uncle William. You, uh, you might say she's harboring ill will. Uh, oh my God. That is bad. Let's try this next one. Breaking news. Hooters will now be delivering their food to your home. They have called this new service Knockers. <laughs> bad, bad. Breaking news. Uh, this is painful. Painful. Let's try one more. Guys, my wife, my wife has implored me to get in touch with my feminine side. She wants me to get in touch with my feminine side. So I took the car out for a drive and crashed it. Uh, okay, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. So uh, maybe we'll make a recurring segment of corny jokes from Mojo Riverfish. Well, you've probably heard now that the state of New York has filed a, a lawsuit against the National Rifle Association trying to put them out of business. They're chartered in New York, which allows this uh, Soros-funded uh, state attorney in New York to to go after their political opponents. Well, now the National Rifle Association has uh, has turned the tables and filed a lawsuit against the state of New York, and not just the state of New York, but the state attorney, Latitas James. She's trying to dissolve the NRA right here before the election. Interesting timing that, don't you think? Wayne LaPierre is, uh, is claimed to have uh, spent too much money on perks and now instead of just going after them for that and leaving the rest of the organization alone, she's asking the court to close down the entire organization. The NRA needs to pack up and move their charter out of the state of New York. Bring it on down here to Florida. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll come back again next week for another exciting edition right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. This episode is sponsored by schwans.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.